welcome to Dads with Daughters. In this show, we spotlight dads, resources, and more to help you be the best dad you can be. Welcome back to the Dads with Daughters podcast, where we bring you guests to be active participants in your daughter's lives, raising them to be strong, independent women. Today, I'm excited to be able to have a brand new dad joining us this week. Uh, Joel Hawbaker's with us. He's going to be talking to us about a lot of different things, about his own experience in being a father, but we're going to talk about blended families as well. And we're going to jump in and, and talk about what he's learned about blended family. He's got a great podcast called 10 CBF. And it's a podcast for blended families, so we're going to be talking about that as well and talk about not only what he's learned, but also what he's learning from other families. Because as I say every week, it's so important for us to learn from each other. All of us have a different experience in fatherhood, but we also are fathering in a little bit different way. And based on the circumstances that we're in, we have to learn how to father in a little bit different way too. So it's really important for us to be able to do just that. Joel, thanks so much for being here today. Chris, thank you for having me on. I'm excited to talk with you and and hopefully be able to share some of what I've learned and maybe help some other people avoid some of the mistakes that I've made as well. It's always important to be able to avoid mistakes because I think we all make mistakes in our own different ways. And that's just a part of being a dad. And though we, a lot of times I think our kids see us at many times as superheroes and that we're flawless. Uh, we're very flawed. <laughs> so I, I think that that's an important conversation to have. Now, I always start our conversations with an opportunity to turn the clock back. And I, I just want to turn the clock back in time for you for that first moment, that first moment when you became a father and became known as dad for yourself. So what was going through your head when when you stepped into that role? Well, for me, it's two distinct moments. It's the moment, the first moment when I found out that my wife was pregnant at the time. And, and then obviously when our, uh, when our first daughter was born, I got married for the first time when I was 19. It was right after my sophomore year in college. So I was pretty young. And then about a year and a half later, that is in the middle of my senior year, fall of my senior year of college, we found out that we were pregnant with our first daughter. And I found out by her, (laughs) I was waiting tables and she came by my work one evening and brought in a Ziploc bag that had three different pregnancy tests all inside the bag because apparently she wasn't sure. She didn't want to trust us. So she had taken three different pregnancy tests and she just brought them to me at work and just sort of set them down without saying anything. And I looked and I just, my eyes got real big and I don't remember what went through my head, if anything, other than, uh-oh, because we didn't know it was going to be a girl or a boy. I just knew that I was, at the time, I was now 21 years old. I was trying to finish up college. I was working a full-time job. I also had a part-time job and now I had a pregnant wife. And that was a lot to be uh, to be getting along with. And so then when our first daughter was born, she arrived about three weeks after I had gotten my diploma. So in the month of May of 2004, I graduated college, had a child, and then we moved 500 miles from Chattanooga, Tennessee up to Fayetteville, North Carolina, where I took over as a, uh, a head soccer coach and a high school history teacher at a small Christian school up there. And that was a big month. It was a lot all at one time. You know, I can remember waking up one morning not long after, our daughter's name is Carly, not long after we brought Carly home. I remember waking up one day and looking at the clock and it said something like 625. And I didn't know if that was AM or PM. I didn't know what day of the week it was. You know, all I remembered is I'm hungry and I don't even know what for. <laughs> I don't know if I'm hungry breakfast or hungry dinner. I don't, I, you know, I have no idea what's going on other than I'm exhausted right now and now I'm also hungry. And I'm sure that's an experience that a lot of other dads share as well. When when you first bring your kid home, you're just trying to survive and you're trying to do the best you can. And there are a lot of things that I wish I could go back 
and do differently. And that's part of why I'm glad to be talking with you today too. Like I said, is I would love to share some of what I've learned. And if I can help one person maybe make a better decision in a particular moment, that'd be worth it. That'd be helpful. Now, you just said that you have some things that you think back to and you say to yourself, I wish that I had made some different decisions or did some things a little bit differently. Talk to me about that. Talk to me about some of the things that as you reflect back, because your kids now are in their teenage years and you know, you've had a number of years with them. So talk to me about some of the things as you reflect back now. What are some of those things that you wish that you had done a little bit differently? Well, there's two big things that come to mind, two general things. One is I've always been a sports person. Grew up playing soccer and and baseball, and I picked up basketball in high school as well. And I played soccer my first two years in college. And then when I got married, I stopped playing and I helped start coaching. So when I graduated from college, one of the uh, big part of my entire adult life has been as a soccer coach. Uh, I've also been a huge Duke basketball fan since I was a, a little kid. And so as an adult, I spend a lot of time watching soccer games, going to soccer games, coaching soccer games, playing in adult leagues or things like that. I spend a lot of time during the winters watching Duke basketball games. And I know that there were times when I should have been spending time with my kids. And instead, I was watching a soccer game on TV or watching a basketball game on TV. And it didn't occur to me until after I'd been through a divorce how much time I had already missed out on because of watching a sport, which I love. But, you know, those guys on the TV, they don't know me. I'm never going to meet them. They don't know my name. They're not going to care about me. And I was choosing them over my kids. And that was really hard. That was a tough realization to come to. And I think I came to it not too late, but real close to too late, if there is such a thing as too late in terms of building those relationships. And so that's one I would definitely go back and change if I could do things differently. The other one is um, I've struggled with anger my whole life. You can't tell because we're seated. And those of you that are listening can't tell because you can't see me, but I am only about five foot three. Five, three and a half on a good day, right? So I have more than a little bit of a Napoleon complex. I have struggled with little man syndrome. I've always been small. Even when I was a little kid, I was small for my age. I've been five foot three since 1996, and that's been a while. And when my kids were little, I raised them a lot like my father had raised me. And my dad was retired military. He got drafted just in time to go get shot at in Vietnam for 18 months. And he wasn't ever harsh that I can remember, at least not with me. I think he may have been with my older brother, but he was stern and he was strict and he held us to high standards. And so I tried to do that with my kids, but I think I did it poorly. And I think that I did it incorrectly because my dad was raising a son and I'm trying to raise daughters. And because of that anger, I made a lot of mistakes with them, talking to them harshly when I didn't need to, being more stern and more strict than I needed to in certain situations, overreacting to things like that. I, I think I expected perfection instead of expecting humanity, which which comes with flaws and mistakes and poor decisions. And again, that was something that I didn't realize until I had done a lot of damage to my relationship with my kids. Um, and again, that's the sort of thing where I would I would love to be able to go back and fix it. I, I can't. And so now what I try to do is I consciously try to do better moving forward. Uh, we mentioned earlier, you know, both, both my daughters are teenagers now. The older one is, um, she'll be 18 in May and will graduate high school and, and head off to college. The younger one just turned 15 last month at the time of this recording. And it's, you know, for the last couple of years, they've lived with their mom because they chose to go and do that for a variety of reasons. And so I get less time with them than I would prefer. My younger daughter rides to school with me every day and I teach 
45 minutes away. So we get an hour and a half in the car. She's also in my class this semester. So I get to teach her world history. And that's been a joy, at least for me. I don't know how much she's enjoyed it, but I've had a great time. But those moments of missing out on time with my little ones when they were little, I would give anything to go back and try to fix that. I would give anything for another chance to do that well with my girls. And so I've got a lot of, you know, we had kids when I was young, obviously, and then went through a divorce, I don't know, 11, 12 years ago now, something like that. And then I've been remarried now for almost eight years. When the girls were little, there were a lot of moments, like I said, that I chose to watch Duke basketball, or I chose to watch a soccer game, or I chose to watch a baseball game. And so now that I've got friends who have kids that are younger, because we, again, we had them when I was real young, a lot of people that are my age, they've got kids who are much younger. And every chance I get, I, I remind them, hey, listen, just turn the TV off, put your phone down, you know, spend time with your kid, because a year from now, five years from now, 10 years from now, if you don't, you will regret it. And you never know when you're going to get your last opportunity for them to sit in your lap and just talk with you. You know, my teenage daughters don't come and just sit down and chat with me anymore. And I'm not exactly sure when that stopped, but I wish I had known that was going to be the last time. So I could have done a better job and maybe it wouldn't have been the last time. You know, we go through these, I'm going to say these ebbs and tides. And I talk to older fathers and they talk about that this teenage years definitely can be challenging and can be ups and downs. Like you said, that they, the kids kind of pull back, you know, they pull forward closer to their, their friends and don't always spend the time talking or spending time as much as they used to. But it, there is light at the end of the tunnel from what I hear from fathers that have kids that are older, that they do come back you know, for the most part. So I think that one of the things you said, though, hits a note. And I think that with the fact that you recognize, you recognize the mistakes that you've made, and I think that you're owning it. And the more that as fathers that we own the mistakes that we make and we talk to our kids about it and say, I wish I had done things differently. I wish that I had done this and I want to do different so that they understand that you're trying to make those changes. I think it makes a big difference. Yes, damage was done, but that doesn't mean that you can't rebound and continue to build that relationship. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think you're exactly right. And it's not been an easy process. It's not necessarily been fun. We've had lots of meetings with counselors and, and people like that. And it's never fun to have to look as objectively as possible at one's own shortcomings. But as you said, it's important too, both for the relationship, but also just for personal growth. I can't change my daughter's hearts. I can't change their desires. All I can do is is be available and reconcile as much as I can while continuing to work on myself and try to figure out how I can become a better father every day. And so that's something that I try to do. And I know for those that are listening that are part of blended families or step families or you're divorced or separated or whatever it may be, if you don't get as much time with your daughters as you would like, that's the sort of thing that, that I really try to speak to because I'm, I'm in that situation. So I try to find a number of ways that I can still let them know that I love them, that I'm present, that I care about them, even when I don't actually see them in person. And I've gotten a lot of help with that as well from some great resources, some books that I've read, different people, other other podcasts I listen to, that kind of stuff as well. So I think it's important that even if we're not around our kids all the time, we need to be working on ourselves so that when we are around them, we can be better than we were previously. You know, that is so important because I think that, as you said, it is not always easy to be able to Take that moment, take that time, take that, be willing to step back and evaluate not only yourself, but also evaluate where you are with the relationship with your kids and also to be willing to admit 
if there are problems. You know, not every person is in counseling. Not every person is willing to to work hard on those relationships. So I think that's it's important to hear that, and I think that it's important for all of us to reflect on that and to think about that, depending on where our kids are at, how old they are, you know, and what we can do to be able to continue doing things with them that are meaningful to them. Now, one of the things you were just talking about was the the passion that you have for blended families. And I said at the beginning that you have a podcast called 10CBF. And you're in season three of this podcast. So you've been doing this for a bit and been talking to different people and different experts and such. But talk to me about the genesis of this. What was it that made you decide that you wanted to to spend the time? Because you and I both know doing podcasts is a labor of love. It is definitely something that takes a lot of time. And I think it's cathartic for those that are hosts, but also hopefully cathartic to those that listen. But but talk to me about what it was. What was the that genesis for this? So I'm a high school teacher uh, and a soccer coach in my day job. I've also been doing professional speaking now for three or four years. And I started out in the leadership space and really felt like God was calling me to pivot from there for a lot of reasons. One of which is because I have a lifetime of experience with blended families. My parents split up when I was in middle school. And so I saw it from that side and they had a great divorce. They had a better divorce than a lot of marriages that I see today. And I've always been very thankful for that. And I, I became even more thankful for it when I went through my own divorce and I had that resource to go to. It's okay. Well, how would my mom and dad have handled this? How would they have treated each other? How would they have approached this problem? How would they have communicated about this? Because I felt like they did that really, really well. And that could not have been easy. And so about three years ago, I started moving into the blended family space. Cause again, I went through a divorce a little over a decade to go. And when I went through my divorce, there weren't a whole lot of resources out there yet. When I wanted to get remarried a few years after the divorce, there again, there weren't a whole lot of resources out there. There were a few and we pursued some of them. Specifically, we did premarital counseling with our pastor and we read a great book by Ron Deal called The Smart Step Family and that was a huge help. But I realized there were not a lot of people who were providing resources to blended families and that was a problem because there are so very many blended families in the United States today. And one of the things that I've found is that the marriage advice you give a first couple by necessity needs to be different than the marriage advice you give if either partner is entering into a second marriage because it's just, especially if there's kids, it's just different, right? You can't tell someone who is recovering from a broken foot that they need to train the same way as someone who's never broken their foot. It's it's just a different kind of a thing. And so I've started doing a lot of podcast interviews. I think I'm up to close to a hundred at this point that I've done on other people's shows and I always had a great experience. I love being in front of people. I'm a teacher and so I love to be in front of uh, whether it's a a group of kids in a classroom or an audience at a a presentation. I enjoy being able to share and have conversations with people. And so after doing a number of interviews on other people's shows, a number of the hosts would say, hey, do do you have your own show? You should do this. And I thought they were just being polite the way that people do. And I thought, well, that's fair. And after about the 10th different host said that to me, I thought, okay, well, maybe there's something here. And so I decided to create a podcast based on my primary teaching, which is called the 10CBF. And that stands for 10 Commandments for Blended Families. And the idea behind those is these are sets of principles that can be applied in every blended family situation. They may be applied differently because every blended family is different, but these work in terms of trying to improve the relationships in your step family or in your blended family. And so I created a podcast around that idea. And like you said, I've I've interviewed a whole bunch of different experts, men and women, some from blended families, some counselors, some lawyers, some accountants who work specifically with blended families, some pastors. The whole idea is to look at blended family life from a whole range of perspectives and try to learn bits of information or helpful nuggets of wisdom 
from lots of different perspectives because I don't know what every other blended family is going through. I know theirs is different than mine. And so when I interview these different experts, my goal is to get them to share something that will be helpful to someone, especially in a way that I wouldn't have thought of. It's been really helpful. It's been obviously it's been helpful for me to learn from a lot of them. It's really funny because I am recording season three right now. And pretty much any time I get done with an interview, I get done, I go tell my wife, hey, honey, listen to this thing that I just heard. Let me just share with you what I just learned from, you know, whoever my guest was. And it's been great. I felt very blessed to have been able to interview some very big names in the blended family world. I've got a, an episode coming out later this month with a woman named Patricia Pappernow, and she has been doing blended family research for something like four decades now. And she's one of the people who helped train Ron Deal, who wrote the book that my wife and I read. So like, if she's the one who's training the people who are writing the books, like that's pretty cool. You know, I, I just, like I said, I, I've been blessed to have a number of really excellent people on my show that know a lot more than I do, that have been doing this longer than I do. And they've been very gracious with their time as well. And my goal is to try to help. If you're already part of a blended family or a step family, then, then you know what it's like to either go through divorce or loss. You've either lost a loved one or you've gone through a divorce. So if you're part of one of those families, then my goal is to help you make this the absolute best it can be so you don't go through that again. Unfortunately, if you've been through one divorce, the likelihood of you going through a second one is much, much higher. Right, and so my goal is to help. To, if you know, if you're like me and you've been through one divorce, well, let's get it right this time. And I don't mean that to criticize anybody. I'm not saying you got it wrong the first time. Maybe it was your spouse. I don't know. What I know is, if you've been through it once, it's easier to go through it a second time. But we want to avoid that because then it just makes everything even more complicated. And you know, in our situation with daughters, it was difficult because there were times when there was a lot of tension between my ex-wife, who felt, in my opinion, unnecessarily threatened by my now wife. Um, I can understand why. I think it would have been real hard for me if I'd had sons and there was another man that came into the picture. You know, when, when my ex-wife remarried, I think if I'd had sons, that would have been harder than because I had daughters in some ways. Because I'm thinking, who is this guy who is an example for my kids that isn't me? And so I think that's where my ex was coming from, which again is, is understandable. I think my wife did an amazing job of being a very supportive stepmom without trying ever to replace their mom. And that is a really difficult line to walk. I'm not a step parent, never have been, but every step parent that's listening, God bless you because that is a gig I would not have signed up for. I'm thankful that my wife did, but I'll be honest, raising someone else's kids and dealing with someone else's ex, none of that sounds like fun to me. And I've told my wife a lot of times, I don't really think that I'm worth it, but I'm glad that you do putting up with that kind of stuff, that's got to be hard. And so, yeah, it's a fun show. It's a good ministry. It's been an excellent opportunity. It's afforded me the chance to travel to some neat places. I was in Louisiana and Oregon last summer. I've been down to Florida a couple times to speak and present there. I love working with churches and conferences and organizations because unfortunately, there are not a lot of places who specifically try to aim at step families as a demographic. You go to marriage conferences, you go to family retreats, you go to church events, you go to government organizations, almost none of them aim at second marriages, which is too bad because that means you're missing out on a third to a half of all marriages in the United States. Well, that's okay in the sense of, well, you're giving good marriage advice. But again, what's good marriage advice for a first marriage may not be good marriage advice for a second. And so that's worth examining. And and I found it interesting that so many places haven't thought of that, even though so many organizations involve people in leadership who are parts of blended families. So that's a big part of what I'm trying to do is just bring more awareness to it, but also bring a lot of wisdom to the table. Fortunately, it's not my wisdom. It's wisdom of people who have been doing this longer than I have. You know, I think that's important because I, you know, I tried to do the same thing as I am talking to dads because 
though my kids are in their teenage years, that doesn't mean I'm an expert. Right. Right. I think my kids would tell you I'm not an expert. Well, and just like you said, you know, you have gone through a divorce, you've gotten remarried, you've gone through this blended family experience, but that doesn't mean you're an expert. Right. That means that you've gone through your own journey and every one of us has to go through our own journey ourselves, but hopefully with the support of those around us, which is what I love about your podcast, because you're bringing the, that support on and you're allowing for people to learn and to grow from that. So, you know, you talk about that in every episode, you're learning a little bit, but what would you say was one story? What's one story of something that you just, you pulled from the show, from what you've learned, from the conversations that you're having that you are taking with you now with every step that you take? It's easy. It's really funny. On my show, I asked the guests to share one of their big blended family struggles and how they've addressed it or overcome it. And then I also asked them to share what I call kind of a blended family success story. What's something that you just are thankful for? Because it's easy to find heartbreaking stories of really tragic, awful, ugly divorce situations. Like those aren't even hard to find. And so I enjoy hearing the good heartwarming stories as well. And I'm thankful that we have some of those. Honestly, the biggest thing that I would share with people is the need for humility and the absolute necessity of being flexible. And what I mean by that is, you know, it, whether you're in a first marriage or a second marriage or anything beyond that, you're never going to get everything your own way. It's just not going to happen. Like that's not reality. We didn't, nobody gets everything their own way. And that means that you've got to be able to roll with it. Well, it, here's the thing in a blended family or step family, that's even more true. You're just not going to get stuff your own way when you have someone else that you co-parent with that doesn't even live under the same roof as you. You're going to disagree about schedules. You're going to disagree about food. You're going to disagree about clothes or friends or makeup or phones. Or can you tell I have teenage girls here? That's okay. You're allowed to disagree. The thing is, how do you go about disagreeing? When you disagree, are you actually trying to figure out what is best or are you trying to prove that your idea is the best, right? Because for me, for a lot of my life, I've been very argumentative and I just want to be right even when I know I'm not. The problem with that is when you're dealing with children, they may not see through it when they're younger. They absolutely will see through it when they get older. Kids have a pretty good, forgive me if this is a little crass, they have a real good bullcrap radar, right? They can see through a lot of those things intuitively. And, and so that means when I'm dealing with my ex-wife, when we have a disagreement, Am I actually trying to find what's best for our kids or am I just trying to prove myself right? If I'm just trying to prove myself right, then my parenting isn't actually about my children. It's about me. Well, that's the wrong approach. It shouldn't be about me. As you said, I love you said in your intro, um, trying to help our, raise our daughters to become strong and independent women. And that means my parenting shouldn't be about making me feel better. It should be about what's best for my daughters in the long run. How can I right now do what's going to help them over the next 70 or 80 years or however long God blesses them with of life? And often you get a very different answer when you look at it from that perspective. I spend a lot of my time coaching and I had a game not long ago where the referee and I had a bit of a disagreement and, you know, the score was pretty close. And so my, my disagreement was rather loud. And another coach came up to me and he said, hey, listen, you wouldn't be as upset about this if you were winning by six goals right now. And the point was, which is put it in perspective. And he was, you know what? He called me out and he was exactly right. If we had been winning the way we probably should have been because we'd wasted a lot of scoring chances, I wouldn't have been upset, which means my issue wasn't actually with the referee. My issue was with my team and the way that I was coaching. My issue was with me and things that I could control. And I didn't see that. 
And it was helpful to have him point that out. And it's the same way with our parenting. It's, it's important that even if we don't like where criticism comes from, are we able to honestly evaluate the criticism and hear the truth that may be there? Or do we just dismiss the criticism because we don't like the source of it, right? And as a history teacher, I tell my kids all the time, I tell my students, evaluate the source. Where did you get your information from? If, if the only source that you can cite is TikTok, I'm not listening to what you have to say. I'm absolutely not. Now, does that mean that it's wrong? No, but it means that if it's true, we can find it from a source that's more trustworthy. So let's do that, right? And it's the same thing as adults. We have to be willing to listen to the source even if we don't like it and then, and then make sure we corroborate that source elsewhere. So true, because we can't parent by Wikipedia methods. So I guess there's some aspects to parenting by Wikipedia because, you know, crowdsourcing and being able to have that group behind you to, to help you parent, I guess that there's something to that, but, but especially not in history. I really just, I don't like when kids cite Wikipedia on their papers. I really don't. My spouse is a librarian mm. by training and she would agree with me <laughs> completely. Now, we always finish our interviews with what I like to call our Fatherhood Five, where I ask you five more questions to delve deeper into you as a dad. Are you ready? Yep, bring them. In one word, what is fatherhood? It's love. Now, when was the time that you finally felt like you succeeded in being a father to a daughter? My dad was my hero, and he passed away over a decade ago now. And not long before he passed away, my daughters were little. He told me that he enjoyed seeing me spend time with them. He felt like I was a good dad. When my father told me that I was being a good father, that was pretty good. It was after that that I thought I failed. Now, if I was to talk to your daughters and ask them, how would they describe you as a dad? Honestly, they'd probably tell you that I'm a bit of a narcissist. They'd tell you that I'm a bit too much focused on myself and not enough focused on other people. And they'd probably be right. You know, it's important to be able to admit that and to be able to recognize that in yourself. As I said earlier, because I think that if you can't admit that about yourself, and then you can't change. Now, who inspires you to be a better dad? Uh, I mentioned my dad. He's been a huge influence on me. My father-in-law, actually both, both of my father's-in-law from my first marriage and from my, my current marriage, those guys have had a big impact on me. And also my old high school soccer coach and youth pastor, his name's Eric McDaniel. He's been a mentor of mine since I was 14. And he's got five or six kids. I can't ever remember. He's got a lot of kids of his own, and they're all just wonderful people. And, and he and his wife have set an amazing example of how to love your kids even when it's not easy. And six kids. And, and so I, I love Eric, and I appreciate all that he's done for me as well. Now, you've given a lot of piece of advice today. But in leaving today, what's one piece of advice you want to make sure that every dad hears? Other than your spouse, your kids need to be your biggest priority. It's not your job. It's not your hobbies. It shouldn't be a Duke basketball team or a Manchester United soccer team. If you will prioritize your kids and let them know that you love them, I think that will make a big difference in the long run. Not that you spoil them, but that you just spend time with them. Now, Joel, if people want to find out more about you, more about your podcast, where should they go? Oh, I appreciate you asking. Thank you. I'm on uh, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and LinkedIn. It's just my name, Joel W. Hallbaker. There's not a lot of Hallbakers out there, so you'll find me. You can search for the podcast. It's available anywhere you listen to podcasts. It's 10, C, the number 10, and then the letters CBF, 10 Commandments for Blended Families. You can also find a lot of my information at stepdadding.com. That's a website that um, another guy created, but he turned it over to me a few years ago when he his kids have grown up and moved away. I mean, there's a ton of free resources. We've got a free online course. We've got gobs of articles about what it's like to be a step parent. Um, 
So definitely check out stepdadding.com as well. And just check out any of those resources and or, you know, shoot me an email, joel at joelwhallbaker.com. And I'll be glad to answer whatever questions I can or, or point you to someone who may have better information than I do. Well, Joel, I just want to say thank you. Thank you for your time. Thank you for everything that you're doing to be able to help blended families to to come together, to be able to uh, bridge those challenges, but also bridge the good times too. And I wish you all the best. Thank you, Chris. I had a great time chatting with you this morning, and I appreciate the work that you're doing to encourage dads with daughters, and thank you for having me on the show. The Fatherhood Insider is the essential resource for any dad that wants to be the best dad that he can be. We know that no child comes with an instruction manual, and most dads are figuring it out as they go along. And the Fatherhood Insider is full of resources and information that will up your game on fatherhood. Through our extensive course library, interactive forum, step-by-step roadmaps, and more, you will engage and learn with experts, but more importantly, dads like you. So check it out at fatheringtogether.org. If you are a father of a daughter and have not yet joined the Dads with Daughters Facebook community, there's a link in the notes today. Dads with Daughters is a program of Fathering Together. Find out more at fatheringtogether.org. We look forward to having you back for another great guest next week, all geared to helping you raise strong, empowered daughters and be the best dad that you can be. We're all in the same boat And it's full of tiny screaming passengers We spend the time We give the lessons We make the meals We buy them presents Bring your A-game Cause those kids are growing fast The time goes by just like a dynamite blast Calling astronauts and firemen Carpenters and muscle men Get out and be the world to them Be the best dad you can be Be the best dad you can be